Okay, actually, wait, hold on a second. I'm nervous. <laughs> I feel nervous now. Um, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have said. Class. I should have yes. Said, okay, I'll pretend I teach you. Before we record, you're, you're, I did, I did what do you teach? Fourth grade. Pretend I'm a fourth grader. Okay. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Farts are funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So should I just start? Whenever. Did you start it already? Well, yeah, this is going, and I can just cut off the beginning. I'm not going to put together a collection of Peter Crows songs. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. I would do that to Nate in a heartbeat. Maybe yeah, don't do that, I please. I don't really like as much. It's the, every once in a while, I'll make fun of him, and he's usually genuinely confused at where that's coming from. <laughs> We've been working for a while. That's funny. We've been for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it can't all go towards Nate. That's true. <laughs> That's good, but just not fair. Not equitable. When Nate first came on staff, somebody, it was Karen, kept like putting this weird, ugly rat in his office. Which, of course, I thought was a sweet prank. But she kept like hiding it in there, and he showed up in my office. He was like, What the heck, man? Is this. That's funny. That's funny. All right. I guess I'm ready. Actually, I'm just going to pray real quick to myself. There's Okay. All right. I think I'm ready. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Really? It is weird. And then it's also really, is it possible to lower it a little, like the camera so I could look at it a little more like fully in the, it seems high to me because I'm not really tall. <laughs> I can see myself actually up there. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's why we don't have all these other lights on because then we would be in the reflection of the TV. Oh, that's true. And the that's we have a good to turn point. The brightness on the TV way down, or it overwhelms the camera. Yeah, that makes sense. And the camera looks really bright. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kaylee Johnson, and I just wanted to thank you guys for coming and joining us for our summer series called Fully Faithful, Fully Flawed. Over the coming weeks, we hope that you are able to wrestle through several questions that are vital to our faith. And at the end, when we come out on the other side, that you will be challenged and that you will also be um, walking closer um, in your walk with Jesus. So I have a question for you. Have you ever mistaken someone for somebody else? Because maybe you weren't looking closely enough. I'm sure that's happened to a lot of us at one time or another, and 
the situations that can happen end up being very, very interesting. So this actually happened to one of our really good friends at our old church in Colorado. Uh, after the church service, uh, everybody was milling around the, the foyer and talking to different people, and our friend Eric um, saw his wife over on the other side of the foyer, and um, his, her back was to him. So he walked over to her, and he leaned over her shoulder, and he whispered in her ear. And then when she turned around and looked at him, he was shocked and appalled to discover that it was actually not his wife at all. It was actually a visitor in the church who was visiting for the first time that Sunday. So, um, needless to say, it was very awkward, um, but luckily the situation had a happy ending because uh, she turned out to be a really laid-back, cool person and was not offended. She ended up coming to the church, and we became good friends with her. Um, but the situation could have turned out much, much worse, obviously. Um, the reason my friend Eric got himself into trouble that day was because he made some false assumptions based on a quick glance. Um, he noticed some things, like, for example, they had similar haircuts, they had a similar build, um, but he missed many, many other clues. Uh, for example, the fact that the woman had on a completely different outfit than what his wife was wearing, which, you know, seems kind of obvious. But um, what he missed that day definitely got him into some trouble. So whether we realize it or not, um, we're all constantly making unconscious assumptions about the people that we see around us based on what we see and also based on what we don't see. On the flip side, the Bible makes it clear that God does not look at people the same way that we do. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So today we're going to look at the question, what does it mean that the Lord looks at the heart? This is a common theme in the Bible, and since it's emphasized so frequently throughout the Word, it seems like this would be really important for us to fully understand. The more that we're able to see people the way that God does, the more we'll be able to understand ourselves and others better. So let's take a look at our passage today. It's in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Today, where we're jumping in is right after um, King Saul has been rejected by God because of his disobedience to the Lord. And in this passage, God tells Samuel the prophet to go and anoint a new king that God has chosen. So we'll, we're in uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? You can tell there were some tensions, political tensions going on here. Verse 5, Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Um, so something about Eliab's appearance in this verse makes Samuel think, this must be the guy. He was probably tall, confident, 
um, I picture Samuel thinking of, looking at him and thinking, man, this is a leader. This is a man's man. This is somebody that I want to follow. Um, and if we remember earlier in the book, um, book of 1 Samuel, King Saul is actually described um, like this. It says, he was an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, and he was a head taller than any of the others. So it really emphasizes his, his impressive looks and also how tall he was. Continuing on in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is the key verse we'll be looking at today. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. So it is clear from this verse that David was definitely not one of the family favorites. He was the youngest of eight sons, and in this society, um, the firstborn male was prized more than any other. And you see he's not even invited to the event um, that his father's uh, putting on. He is completely forgotten. He's ignored. And not only that, David's out tending the sheep, which at this time was considered to be a very humble, lowly occupation to do. Um, continuing on, it says, Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So in this passage, we can see a very clear contrast between how God looks at people and how we look at people. Verse 7 says that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearances but the Lord looks at the heart. So our first question today, um, as we move on, is going to be how do we as people look at the outward appearance? So we're all going to get a chance to discuss this in a few minutes, but I wanted to give you some of my thoughts first. Um, I think we do this in several ways. Um, one of the ways we do this is obviously by evaluating people based on their looks. Um, so we look at someone and say, you know, are they attractive, unattractive? Do they seem cool? Do they seem nerdy? Do they seem intelligent, athletic? Um, how are they dressed? Uh, sometimes we can feel a kinship to someone if they seem similar to us, like we could relate to them. Um, do they seem like they're in a similar socioeconomic um, status as we are? Uh, what about their culture? Do we relate to their culture? Does it seem weird or foreign to us? Um, all of these situations speak to race, age, gender, culture, and socioeconomic status can come into play here, often in very subtle ways that we may not even be fully aware of. The second way that we evaluate others is based on their position or their wealth. So in the passage, Eliab was the oldest born son. Um, this probably helped contribute to the fact of why Samuel assumed that Eliab was, Eliab was going to be God's chosen king. But how do we evaluate others based on position? Again, I think it can happen very self-consciously. So it might be something like giving deference to your boss at work, but then when the person comes in to clean your office, 
you're not paying them nearly the same respect or deference as you did to your boss. Or again, you know, your your boss, um, you're very concerned about what your boss is thinking about you. Um, but the new guy at work, you're not really as worried about him because he he doesn't seem like he has very much to offer you, and you're just kind of um, not really quite as concerned with him. Um, sometimes it can also happen through um, fear, so uh, making different assumptions about people. So you come across someone, um, you might have a fear of them because they seem different, or maybe um, you're making some assumptions about them. We can also resent people or make assumptions even about people who, um, maybe if you see someone who is who's wealthy or rich and you have a bit of a resentment towards that, you can have some resentment that pops up in that as well that might make you treat the person differently as well. Uh, the third way that we can judge others by appearance is by focusing too much on someone's status or their reputation. So I was reminded of the that old story of the emperor's new clothes, if you guys remember that, where the emperor um, comes, the emperor is convinced by everyone to wear this beautiful outfit. It actually turns out to be imaginary and he's he has nothing on but everybody in the crowd is cheering for him and saying oh that's great that outfit's amazing and everybody sort of just follows along because of the reputation and because everybody else is so they kind of just go along with the crowd so that's another way that we do that as well one additional point i wanted to add is that i think that we also have the tendency to evaluate um others on their appearances but i think we can actually do that to ourselves as well we can judge others um, sorry, judge ourselves based on how we look. How do we appear to others? Um, maybe being too concerned with our wealth or our position, our reputation, um, our race, things like that. And I think it's just as damaging and dishonoring to God when we judge, other, judge others by appearances as when we judge ourselves by, uh, by outward appearances. So in this passage that we just read, David was passed over by everyone because of his status, and his family was very low. His appearance was not as impressive as his brothers, and he was not very respected in his family. But God was not fooled by any of these appearances, and because of that, he was able to see David for who he truly was. I think all of us have a very subtle pull to evaluate others based on appearances. And usually this is um, so subtle that you may not even notice that you're doing it. Over the past several weeks as I've been preparing for this lesson and thinking about this a lot, I've sort of noticed myself, um, how I think about, think about people. And I've noticed that you know thoughts will pop into my mind that I might not have even realized were there before. Um, and I've seen how this can, I think this is really true for all of us, and I would really challenge all of us to kind of evaluate our hearts and how we're looking at the outward appearance instead of in the heart. Um, so next question, what is the downside of judging by appearances? Uh, I think that when we judge by appearances, we end up, there's a lot of things, but we end up making um, false assumptions, and those false assumptions can obviously lead to bad decisions. If Samuel had gone with his first impressions of Eliab, he would have crowned a new king that would have been very, very similar to King Saul. He would have looked awesome on the outside. He would have looked like the true king. People would have maybe wanted to follow him, but he did not have a heart that was dedicated to God. When we judge others by appearances, we don't listen to people well, and I don't think we love them well. 
We're not open to relationships, and we often miss out on what God has to offer us. And in the end, all of this leads to pride. Uh, on the flip side, and, and, well, and, and in conjun- conjunction, when we judge others by appearances, we can end up filled with fear and shame that stop us from loving people the way God calls us to. We get super focused on self, and we're constantly asking, how do I appear? Um, what is so-and-so thinking about me? Um, how do I compare to others? Um, wh- all of these thoughts might seem like humility, but really they're just dragging over and over, dragging our attention away from God, and they make us completely ineffective for the plans that God has for us. So last question for us is, the Bible says that the Lord does not look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what does this mean, that the Lord looks at the heart? God values things different than we do. He values the humble in heart, the least of these, the weak, the obedient, the loving, the faithful, the repentant, and the heart that seeks after him. And I think the best example of this is Jesus. And I, when I think about this, I just think of how Jesus chose to come to the earth. He could have come um, in splendor and grandeur, wealth, position, uh, authority, Uh, attractiveness, beauty, but he didn't. He came in humility. He came in poverty. He was born to a teenage mother. He came from a despised region of the world. Um, His reputation was good with some people, but with the people who really mattered, the people in authority and power, he was hated, he was mocked, and he was despised. Again, over and over, we see that Jesus is looking at others' hearts. He's not making assumptions. He listens to others. He engages them. Uh, He's even crossing over cultural barriers. He's um, speaking with people of different races, different religions, different genders, um, breaking all kinds of social taboos and norms to engage people, often engaging people who are hated and despised. He was not focused on appearances. And in addition to that, he also wasn't um, intimidated or afraid of others either. Because of this, he was able to truly love people, and because of that, he was able to speak truth and grace to them. So even the people that were in the higher um, higher status than him, um, he was able to speak confidently and lovingly and truthfully to them as well because he wasn't acting out of fear. Although Jesus' status, position, and appearance was not impressive, it is, it is his heart that shines through in every interaction we see with him. When speaking of Jesus, Isaiah 53.2 says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The extent to which we judge ourselves and others by appearances is the extent to which we will miss the true Jesus. And I, this is something that I have really been taking to heart this week, and I hope that we can all work on wrestling through this together. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, now we're going to get a chance to discuss these, this topic, and um, I want to hear from you guys what you think about this as well. We're going to continue discussing what does it mean <coughs> that God looks at the heart. And I can't wait to hear your insights and interactions with, th- with this. Thank you for joining me. Bye-bye.
Oh, that's mean. 